Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Craig Napoliello. Before we dive in, I wanted to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Craig spent the majority of his career as a fixed income trader and now works at a fintech firm. After being interested in real estate for much of his adult life and dabbling in uh, single-family home investments, he began his multifamily journey in the beginning of 2019. When he's not at his W-2 job, Craig loves to learn new ways to build generational wealth through mobile home parks and other real estate. Craig, we're excited to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, maybe you can start out by telling our listeners your story and how you ultimately got into the wonderful world of manufactured housing. Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep this story around you know, sort of the real estate piece of it, but I've always been interested in real estate and, and you know, not even sort of actively thinking about it. But when I look back on sort of my adult life and I'd go to a city and, you know, get, go online and look up for, you know, single family real estate and what things were renting for, what they were worth and all this type of thing. So the, the sort of the natural interest is always there. I would say that I started, you know, then in 2019, my sister-in-law introduced me to bigger pockets and so I started going down sort of the, the rabbit hole. And I think that sort of the, the big shift in mindset then was to, you know, was real estate as a business, right? Versus real estate as like a hobby. So I you know, started teaching myself, you know, I, I did, uh, you know, listen to bigger pockets, started listening to podcasts, you know, like yours that, you know, it's amazing how much, how many sort of free resources there are out there in the world. You can, you can, you know, make yourself dangerous in a few months of really, you know, diving deep into some of these podcasts. So I did that and I, I purchased my first duplex that year. And again, sort of like the, this whole shifted mindset around, around sort of how do I make this a business? How do I structure a team? Like, how am I doing things where, you know, that can become scalable? So I bought a duplex that year. And then that went, I went from a duplex and then I bought a, a 21 unit, a 10 unit and a 22 unit all in, you know, all multifamily in New Hampshire. And what happened there was I got myself in the arena and I, you know, started thinking about, you know, where can this go? Like, what can this mean for me? And, you know, you know just sort of looking at this in it much more from a, a bigger picture standpoint. And that's when, you know, around the time and sort of, you know, COVID hit, I live in New York City. So, you know, things here were very much, you know, sort of locked down. So now all of a sudden I'm, my wife and I were, you know, spending a lot of time at home and, and have a lot more time in my hands. And I wanted to use that in a positive way. And I, I spent a lot of my extra time, honestly, like, you know, teaching myself about mobile home parks. So I, I was, you know, which I think probably many folks do is that, you know, I really, I really have a genuine interest in real estate. Now, I think that manufactured housing is the best vehicle for, for investment, right. For a long-term investment, but I'm, I, I do have a genuine interest, you know, sort of across the board in real estate. So I was, you know, researching different types of real estate. I came across manufactured housing, as I'm sure you're probably in the same boat, right? I, there, was a, there was a lot of characteristics about manufactured housing 
that I liked more than multifamily. And so I said, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm in all these, you know, multifamily projects that I've, that I was, you know, I've learned a ton from, I've made a ton of mistakes, but I've added enough value that I have a bunch of equity in these properties, you know, in a short amount of time. And, you know, if if I think that uh, manufactured housing is a better vehicle for my investments, why am I not doing that? Right. So I, I, you know, joined a mentorship program. I was listening to podcasts, you know, like yours and, and teaching myself about, about, you know, manufactured housing. And then I started, you know, sort of making action steps and, and following those. So this is all like during COVID. I, um, you know, sort of like sitting early in my house with my wife, you know, trying to, you know, formulate a, a game plan for how I could, you know, go from my multifamily into manufactured housing. And, you know, literally like the, the what got me into the game and manufactured housing was it was the, you know, the only time I got on a plane for like, I don't know, an 18 month period. I'm a person that, you know, travels, my wife and I travel all the time. The only time I got in a plane for like an 18 month period was me going down to North Carolina to meet with the owner of the portfolio that we ended up buying. And I remember the time, and, you know, at the time I had zero pads and, you know, I remember saying my, my wife and I had like canceled like several trips and whatnot. And I was, you know, I said, listen, I'm going to go down to North Carolina. I'm going to meet this, this gentleman I've been speaking to. And she was like, you know, are you, are you like, you know, basically, are you, are you serious? Not, <laughs> not, not to like not be supportive, but like, sort of like, is this like yeah. a huge waste of your time? Like, this is like, a, you know, this is, you're going to go down there, you don't know this guy. And this sort of seems like a, you know, a little bit of a wild goose chase. And, and um, yeah, obviously now very grateful that, you know, both of us are very grateful that, you know, I, I made the trip. So that's sort of what, you know, what vaulted me into, into manufactured housing. I was able to, you know, build a report. I think the guy was, I think the guy, you know, was, you know, really respected the fact that I, I came down there to meet him. And, you know, I was coming in from New York and, you know, spent time with him and got to know him and built a rapport with him. And that made all the difference in us, in us ending up, you know, sort of partnering in, in him transitioning these assets to me. So that's, that was the beginning of it. And then uh, sort of went from there. Wow. That is, that is so awesome. I love that. So tell me, you, you started with the multifamily units. Were you raising money for those deals or was that just your personal money? That was all. You know, so, so that was when I say that was my personal money. I had a buddy that was saw what I was doing, and you know, say so a guy that I've known for twenty years, and he he actively said, "Hey, listen, I'd love to like sort of come along for the ride, just you know, sort of like learn about this." So so some of that was some of those products were all my own, and some of them I split fifty fifty with this like you know good friend of mine, and then awesome. and then I and then basically all all the main like our our current business, which was when I say I, I, I would classify it much differently, all the multifamily in New Hampshire. That was sort of our my first step into professionalizing an operation. I, you know, I had a property manager, a property manager sort of handling everything in New Hampshire. This business now, the manufactured housing business, we're vertically integrated. So again, which is a, is a much different you know undertaking. I have to tell you, but so this business looks a, a ton different than my sort of previous multifamily business. This business, I went into it with with a certain expectation of like, okay, great. I'm going into a new asset class. I sort of have a certain bite size that I'm comfortable with. And I came across an opportunity that was like multiples larger than, than what I was you know, comfortable with. And I thought to myself, you know, one, I was you know, pretty, pretty scared of the notion, but I, but, you know, luckily I, I sort of had the wherewithal to sort of take a step back, take a deep breath and say, you know, if I, you know, pretty much any single thing you buy in your life that goes the right direction 
you know, you wish it was bigger. You wish it was as big as possible, right? So sure. I, I, I sort of thought to myself, okay, well, I, I get it. This is not sort of like the, this is not how I drew it up. But if I, I should be evaluating the quality of the opportunity. If the sure. opportunity is there, I should be doing everything in my power to bridge the gap financially. So, you know, I, I put up, I put up the majority of the money, my wife and I, or basically our wife and I, my, our personal money, we put up the majority of the money for the, for the mobile home park business. And then I have a few friends of mine. I, I didn't raise any money. I didn't send them on a spreadsheet. A few friends of mine had said to me, Hey, listen, like, you know, I sort of see what you're doing here. Like I'd love to be involved. And so I went to those people and said, you know, Hey, listen, you had brought this up to me previously. So you know, here's an opportunity, no pressure, but like, I'm coming to you because you came to me. So sure. if you want to basically put money in, you know, I'm, listen, I have a full-time job. I've never owned a mobile home park. I, you know, don't have any like fancy, like pro formers for you, blah, blah, blah. Like pretty much like all these qualifiers of like why you should feel totally comfortable just passing on this. You know, we don't have, I've never, you know, managed parks before, you know, we're inheriting a team that's like, you know, that's, you know, lackluster at best. We have to build out a whole team, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a whole, laundry list of reasons why it could have been, you know, why it could have failed and why someone should, you know, turn their backs on this. And, you know, pretty much all of them were like, you know, I'm in. So, so that's, that, that bridged the gap financially. And these are all, these are all people I've known. And that was for your your, North Carolina, the North Carolina portfolio, right? And how many pads is that? So we're over 500 pads now. The, um, the first, the first batch, um, that first portfolio was 270 pads and that's we're a over big, 500 bite you know your first yeah. deal over 270 pads that's fantastic how'd you find that well, deal well so it was 270 pads it was around 400 total units because we ended up buying 270 pads an office building 22 single family homes 79 apartments so it was um there was a wow. yeah there was a whole there was a whole hodgepodge of stuff that we, you know, again, same thing, like when he, when we started going, when we started getting deeper into what this gentleman was looking to do. I mean, it was obviously, it was a scary thought. I'm sitting here like, you know, it was literally an office building. I was like, I mean, it's the last thing on earth I want to buy, but you know, it was a matter of like, you know, how can I like, you know, am I being, am I being compensated for the risk I'm taking? And it was, you know, I got myself, you know, comfortable with the risks based on, you know, the, the overall price I was paying. Yeah, and how'd you find that that first deal? Because I mean, that's the the hardest part for most operators is is finding you know a, a solid deal that pencils out, and especially with all these new you know, there's apartments, there's single family homes, there's an office. You know, how'd you get comfortable with that? So I um I was introduced by a a broker. So a broker introduced me to the owner, and it was it was a situation where you know again the, the broker was very experienced and you know very mature and very secure. And, you know, just, just, you know, he, he recognized, which I'm sure that you've come across many times, you know, everyone's different. This mom and this, this gentleman who's, you know, very much a mom and pop, you know, owner, he would just, he would never have sold through a broker. Like, you know, in his mind, like he would, he was, he would never like, why would he pay the fees? He knew all about real estate, you know, which is again, to, you know, teach their own. Obviously I, I don't mm-hmm. believe that. Right. If, if I was going to sell something, I would use a broker for sure. Right. There's, there's, like here, I, yeah. I, 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 I appreciate, I appreciate the value of a highly you know skilled broker and what they could bring to me. And that's, I would definitely do that, you know, 10 out of 10 times, you know, he felt differently. He felt like he knew better than anyone else, you know, what his real estate was worth and why, and he didn't want to pay anyone any fees to, 
you know, for, for him to, you know, create that value or find it, find it and, and then buyer. So mm-hmm. this broker introduced me to him, said, you know, let's say this works out, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out type of thing. And, um, it, which I'm just, just so appreciative for, I mean, I'd never owned a mobile home park before. So, I mean, like, you know, he, he was, he very much, yeah. uh, you know, I think sort of, you know, believed in the fact that I was gonna, you know, w- was going to, you know, follow through with what I said. It's not like me and this guy, like, we didn't have a 10 year relationship, me and the broker. I'd known him for a few months. Now, again, we had invested in a deal together. So that probably helped with my credibility and my positioning. But um, he introduced us and this gentleman, I, you know, we, I, we established a relationship over months ago. I flew down and saw him during COVID. I, f- I flew down another time. Um, you know, to honestly, like, I didn't, like, this is, this is, I think, a super important piece of, of this. And like, to, to, for anyone else that's, you know, going through this process, like, you know, like, like, you know, this is, this was a gentleman that I, you know, I still keep in touch with, still very friendly with, right. He is a, a you know, he's a, a very proud man. He built this, you know, and he came from nothing and he built a, you know, a 10 plus million dollar, you know, business, right. Which, which is, which is extraordinary what he did, you know, he was the, he was very much that say the master of his you know domain, which I think a lot of people are when they basically build a business with their bare hands, like right, from the ground up. You know, like, you know, he told me as I got to know him, you know, like I was, I was listening to what he was saying. And like, you know, he like, he told me cautionary tales of other people he had dealt with in, in, you know, real estate over the course of his life. And, and honestly, like, you know, he, he just didn't want to be fucked around with that. That may sound like odd, but like, you know, he didn't want to like, you know, he did not. and And Craig, like, you know, I think that's very common you know, from buying from mom and pops, you know, we, we, they want to give it to somebody, right. That's going to be true and stick to their word. And then they also kind of have that like grandson approach is kind of what I've seen is like, they want somebody to take care of the properties and they want to pass it along. And that's, that's, that's very important. Right. When yeah, buying from mom and pops, making them feel comfortable. And it seems like that's what you did. You really like built the relationship. It was more than the transaction. Right. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah. Now I, I think that there's, I think there's, you know, of course everyone's different. And I think that like, so there are some, let's say baby boomer type of owners that like yeah. that we dealt with as well. That, that, that was, it was super important to them. Like what was going to happen to the park? And we've like, you know, and we, we sure. made them feel comfortable about that. This gentleman I think was, was a little less worried about that, but I'm saying, but he wanted to, you know, so he wanted to be, you know, treated like the, like the master of his domain. Like he, he didn't want me coming in there, you know, trying to pull fast on. So, so I literally, yeah. you know, I, I did every single thing I said I was going to do. I didn't retrade one penny. I didn't come back to him, you know, try, you know, for allowances or, or trying yeah. to change the rule, rules on him. And I can, I feel pretty confident saying that if I did that, the deal wouldn't have gotten done. You're right. So, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let's I got circle back just, like, just cause we're kind of getting yeah. off track. Let's yeah. circle back here. What do you think is the toughest hurdle to overcome in mobile home park investing? You know, like as an operator, I I think that the I think the operations is the toughest part by far. You know, I, I'm not sure if you're asking that question from the from the like from a um, maybe an investor's perspective, but from an operator's perspective, absolutely the the day to day and and keeping, especially as the as the portfolio grows, like you know, so keeping your tenants happy day to day. Yeah, and you said you're vertically you're, you're vertically integrated, so you guys have your own management company. Is that right? That's right. We have our own property management company. We've, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. How many, how many team members and all that? We have, I want to say 13 team members. Now I have a partner on the ground there who I think you spoke with Kevin Murray. So he, he runs the Kevin runs, he's my partner. He runs the, he runs the business and he's, he's outstanding. I can't, 
you know, say enough for those of you who are considering, you know, going this, this path on your own is that, you know, to, to find a, you know, a partner like, you know, Kevin, you know, Kevin makes the world go round, you know, and like, and, and, and even like even building the team alongside Kevin or under Kevin, you know, he drives the whole, you know, mindset and attitude and culture of the business and what's made it successful. He is, there's some folks on the team, you know, like guys and the guys that on, on the maintenance team, people that work in the office, people that run sales and leasing. And, you know, Kevin has, the, the time that Kevin has spent, you know, developing those people into, into just into great teammates is that's, that's, that makes all the difference. Right. So, yeah. you know, I think we're in a great place now, but that took a, you know, really not even for me, that took a tremendous amount of, of, of really time, love efforts on Kevin's part to, you know, to groom the, all, all the people on the team and to you know, really sell this, this vision, this culture, this family, and like what we're trying to build long-term. Yeah, no, that's, that's super important. One, I was listening to a podcast this weekend, actually, and it was a multifamily operator that got in to mobile home parks, right? Was drinking the Kool-Aid, bought nine parks all across the country, right? From, from Eastern to Western to, you know, down in, in the South, and then realized how tough operations were. And they, yeah. they, they tried to use a third-party manager. That didn't work. They brought it in-house, realized they weren't good at management. Uh, because they they own like over a billion dollars in in apartments and they brought it in house to manage parks and then they found an apartment you know company apartment management company mm-hmm. that they were going to have manage it they gave it to them they still were messing it up you know mobile home park management is not the same as any other asset class there's so yeah. many moving parts i mean what can you tell us about building your management company and maybe some mistakes that you guys have made Oh yes. So I mean, so there's just a, there's just a, you know, I mean, I, I could go on for hours about the mistakes we've made, all of which have, have just have made me more grateful that we're vertically integrated because you know it, it's not easy. And by the way, listen, anything that's worthwhile is not easy, right? So I would say that, that some of the mistakes that we have made, this is again something very specific to mobile home park owners, you know, underestimating, underestimating the difference between park-owned homes and like an apartment, as an example, right? So like understanding, like you know, like sort of underestimating. The, the costs, the time and effort to turn one over, you know, the, the, the huge variance between like an apartment that's beat to hell and, and a, a mobile home that's beat to hell, huge difference. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the fact, like, you know, j- just even understanding, like never having experience and just understanding, like, understanding like the difference just in floors. The fact that mobile homes can literally have, you know, have holes right down to the grass <laughs> and, then you, and, and, you, and you have to solve for that. Right. I mean, you know, so, so basically, so really understanding this is, you know, this is something that again, I, I do, I, I love this. And, but I mean, like, you know, you have to kind of be like a, a little bit, you know, deranged to, to love this stuff. Like, you know, so we, we have over, we have like 250 park owned homes. Right. So oh, like, wow. you can imagine like, so, so the amount of like the, the, like these mistakes, it wasn't like we had one park owned home and I learned this, like, you know, we learned this through a huge fleet of park owned homes. Right. So um, is that part of but, your model that you like, you rent some of the homes out? Or do you guys try to convert them to tenant-owned homes? So we do both. Um, I, I would say this is that I I think that there's and just listening to podcasts, interesting. A lot of people are like, you know, no park-owned homes, don't like park-owned homes. Want you know, basically want to, want to want to steer clear of them. <laughs> but but I, I think listen, trust me, we we understand. You know, we understand exactly that's where we want to end up. But I, I also think there is a tremendous value in park-owned homes. I think they're basically undervalued. In a lot of in a lot of spots, and we've found that, and we've been able to 
monetize that. Like, what do I mean by that? I think that, you know, like, just like everything else in, you know, during, you know, COVID and this inflationary period, listen, the, the prices of, of used cars have gone up. I mean, so, mm-hmm. but, so we have seen, you know, we, we've seen things in our market and our market is in the Winston-Salem MSA. And we have a lot of parts that are basically like, you know, that are like almost equidistant from Charlotte and Winston-Salem is that part, like, let's say, a, you know, generic what, 1993, you know, three bed, two bath. I think a lot of people two years ago would have quoted that as like, you know, $8,000, $10,000. I mean, we're selling stuff like that for 25 in a lot of spots. Cash? 22. No, uh, rent to own. I mean, it's some cash, but a very small percentage. And I think but with like, the rent to owns, you know, I'm seeing like, like, what's your annual turnover rate on those? You know, I see we we've seen very very little on the rent zones. And that being said, that we've only been we've only been doing this for you know 15 months, right? So so I'll yeah. check check back in, in a year from now and we'll see. But you know when you when you look at it as well, like you know, and we've seen it because we we ended up buying a portfolio of a variety of assets, right? Like stick built homes, double wides on brick, you know, use mobile homes, whatever. And you know we're just, you know the, what we saw in the market occur, which I'm sure everyone's seen across America, right? These inflationary trends. Like, you know, these stick built homes we bought that were honestly not that nice, you know, we sold them, you know, they were selling it at these, you know, at wild prices, right? When you, and you start looking at, you know, a used park on home for 20, 22, 25, you know, that, that disparity gap between a stick built home and the used homes, you know, widened so, so much that we saw a, you know, again, a huge demand on these used park on homes that I think that a lot of people would have quoted they were eight or $10,000. We were selling them for, you know, 20 plus. Yeah. And, and like, from my experience with the park owned homes, you know, you can sell them and, and every market's a little bit different, right? Like I know, mm-hmm. uh, Chris rude, you know, he's all about the park owned homes and renting them out for $1,500 a month and, you know, getting that cash flow. And there's a ton of ways to make money inside of the, the niche, but just, you know, you could sell them for whatever price you want. If the monthly payment suits them, right? Like you yep, can sell exactly. it for yes. grand if the monthly payments 400 bucks a month. And, and, and that's yep. not the problem. But the thing is, is like getting that pride of ownership from my perspective has been the struggle, right? Like we sell the yep. home and then, then, you know, a year and a half in something breaks, you know, and, and they don't, they don't want to spend the 500, 600 bucks to replace yep. it. They're just going to abandon the home and then leave. And then we got to have that turnover cost. So, you know, that's been the, the struggle for us. So we've actually like where we could have got 25 grand, we sell it to them for the eight or 10 grand because then they become an owner faster and then yeah. they're willing to like spend the money on a new furnace. If the furnace goes out, that's just, just my perspective, but I know there's a ton of ways to make money, but that's been our struggle. Yeah. park owned homes is there's like a 50% turnover rate, you know, annually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's high. I mean, and I would be remiss if I, if I, you know, spoke as though we had this figured out because we don't, you're right. I mean, it's we're, a, still, it's a we're still very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm learning stuff too. You know, that's just what, and my parks are more in the Midwest where Winston-Salem, obviously a really good market. I mean, that's fantastic. But it, you know, if you can get, you know, the, the bigger down payments, how much do you get on the rent to own for like a down payment on one of those? Well, let's say, well, let's say on a $20,000 home, you know, we don't take anything less than, you know, 2000. So let's say that the okay. range is, I mean, that being said, we've, we've sold a few cash. We've sold, you know, we've, you know, a lot between let's say two and 5,000. Yeah. We've, you know, we use 21st on a lot of, a lot of sales. Nice. Yeah. So, so we're, what we're a great program, we're, by the way, the, the 21st, it, it, I mean, it's wonderful. It, it's a great program. Yeah. And we're, we're looking at, you know, we're, we're constantly really, you know, Kevin does such a great job of he's like, we always, Kevin, I always like, you know, talk about like, you know, we, we basically, we want to constantly be learning and, and, and upgrading our business. Right. So like, even on this, just this front, 
this alone, just, you know, selling used homes, right. And we have, mm-hmm. you know, tons of park owned homes, you know, there are, there are just like, we want to continually be adding, you know, arrows to our quiver. And as much as we love 21st, you know, there, there are like, there are, let's say segments of the buyer market that they don't serve as well. How can we solve yeah. for that? Right. Like, you know, like Zippy is, is a company that we are now, you know, really like, you know, digging in with and trying to understand their programming, and how that can fit into our business. Right. So it's a constant work in progress. Yeah. Just learning new stuff. Tell me this. So you bought your first park June, 2021, right? Yes. And now you're up over 500 pads. You know, has your investing strategy changed at all from when you, you first bought that portfolio to now, you know, do you look back and say, okay, we're, you know, we're no longer buying parks with private utilities or, or, Hey, we're going to go with the park owned home route instead of the tenant owned home route. Like has anything changed and why? Yes. So, so my, my change of, of view, it has to do with the market, right? So the market has changed in that short period of time. Um, you know, we closed on our first park, but 15 months ago, you know, so we have, you know, price are much higher and lending costs are much higher. You know, what's changed for us is, is that, you know, in our, in our, you know, and what we've done is sort of our strategy has been target this very specific geographic area that we can basically, that we can, so we can build our, our core team there and then service all of our properties. Right. So we're not, you know, we're not trying to speak to owners in, you know, in, in the Midwest, um, you know, not because I don't love the Midwest and not because I wouldn't invest myself with someone like with, you know, some other operator that I, you know, trust and believe in like you, but like for our civic business, like, you know, we think one of our, one of our advantages and core competencies is, you know, is building out a team that is going to, you know, service and operate our parks better than the competition right now. I wouldn't say we're there now, but that's our goal, right? That, that's where we want to be. We want to be the best operator in the entire, you know, region, state, you know, whatever that, whatever that is. Like we want it to be very, very clear and a standout that when someone lives in one of our properties that they don't want to leave, right? And they're basically like, you know, they're telling their friends to come move in, right? So, um, so as we still target that area, you know, I would love to buy, you know, really basically any park that's in our, our geographic, you know, sort of target zone the only thing that's changed for me is how we approach that from a financing perspective. So like the last, we closed on a park, a 33 pad park. Um, we closed on it maybe three weeks ago, you know, seller financing. So we're trying to educate ourselves and I'm spending it like a ton of time, like listening to like, you know, Pace Morby and like, you know, all these like, you know, guys that really have a focus on, on seller financing. I read, there's a great book out there by Bill Ham. that's again, you know, all about creative financing, but, you know, basically like this, yeah, so we want to, you know, so we are long-term believers in manufactured housing. You know, we want to own these things for, you know, decades. So we're always going to be buyers. It's just a matter of like, you know, how do we make the numbers work for us? And, and yes, by paying, paying, you know, yesterday's prices with today's interest rates, you know, it's, it's, it's much harder to make a pencil. I'm, I'm sure you're seeing deals all the time as am I, that like when it comes across your desk, you say, wow, this park looks great. and you know, at this price, you know, at six percent, this just doesn't work. You know, yes, listen. If I had, if I had like unlimited capital, and you know, I, I could buy it for cash, and you know, spend the time and whatever, uh, I'm sure that I would be pursuing more of these opportunities. That's not my situation. So again, this is the majority. Of this is my personal capital. So you know, my considerations are different than you know, private equity firms or people whose cost of capital is you know three percent or something. So you know, we're just trying to be 
the best, you know, sort of real estate problem solvers that we can be. And in this environment, to me, that means having more levers to pull on the financing side and understanding creative financing better. Yeah. And, and that's creative cash is the name of that book. That's the one. That's the one. And so, yeah, that's awesome. So 33 pads, you know, I've noticed that, you know, the, the same amount of work goes into a 33 pad park that goes into a 75 lot park. So, you know, and then you've bought, you know, a huge portfolio with the 270 pads. So what's the idea there? You know, like you were, you mentioned the scalability and how important that is. What's the idea with buying smaller parks? Are you getting better deals there? What's the, the thought process behind that? Yeah. So it's interesting. And I, I thought this a lot because like, you know, those smaller parks are, you know, what we did was, is that we, you know, again, this is, this was, um, I wish I could say this is all, uh, we were sitting here crafting the strategy. You know, a lot of these things are like just sort of how, how the ball bounces. Like, you know, we were fortunate enough to like meet this owner, build rapport with him. And, you know, he had, he had a, you know, he had enough assets in one place, you know, for us to establish a beachhead. Right. And then we built off of that. Like, how do we build off of that? We had this, you know, we had enough revenue from this original portfolio to start building out a team. You know, again, the most important thing that our business ever did was, you know, basically have enough money to invest in Kevin, right? Kevin's my, you know, partner, you know, he was able to leave his, his full-time job and dive headfirst into this. That's, you know, the, that, that was, that's the best thing we ever did, right? Now, what did, you know, how do we, these small parks, why are we buying those? You know, is because, you know, we have enough of a nucleus in this one geographic location that like that now... We can if we if we can go after a 21 pad park, a 36 pad park, a 73 pad park, which are all real life examples, we were able to go to them and say, you know, Kevin was able to go to them and say, you know, hi, Mrs. Smith, you know, we are in town, you know, we we have, you know, are the name of our company's 40 Oaks, you know, we have bought this portfolio from this gentleman. This is what we're trying to do here. This art, this is the vision for our business. If you want to sell your park, like we're the best buyer for you. And we even have a list of references of other local owners that we can give you. If you want to call them and ask them, they'll, they'll attest to the fact that we are going to basically make this you know, as easy as possible on you, right? So we have been able to, you know, one, get you know, excellent deals on these smaller parks. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it helps having them close by, you know, when they're all right there, you know, that's, that's also with the park-owned homes. You know, you probably have one rehab crew, right, that... That works for exactly. you. Goes to all your homes. Does the same model. So yeah, that definitely makes makes more sense. You know, if you got a, a cluster in the same area. So yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily suggest like you know. Again, if you told me that you have one park, hey Craig, I, I, there's a, a deal. It's you know four hours away. It's a it's a fifty pad park with forty park owned homes. I, I wouldn't be interested. If you told me that was like in our sort of geographical area, I mean, almost almost undoubtedly, I'd be the best buyer for that. Um, and again, it, it has to do with like, again, you know, where's our talent pool, right? Our talent yeah. pool is in this, in this area, Davidson County outside Winston Salem. And, um, and so I feel very comfortable that we can execute well on anything again, say 20 pads and greater in the fact that they went to, you know, everyone, I mean, this is something that, you know, there are not institutional players are not going the, the 20 to 50 pad parks. No one is, is, is going after those the way that we are in that in that, you know, geographic That's area. another good point right there. You know, you, less competition, you're going after these and, you, and you're finding yields that other, I mean, it's just not efficient for private equity to go down that low. Tell me this, yeah. 
what are the most important things passive investors, you know, we're talking LPs here, uh, what do they need to know and, and look out for when investing into mobile home parks based on your time in the space? Yes. So I'd say there's, I'd say there are, you know, from a high level, the two biggest things are, um, are market and, you know, whatever, whether you want to call it, you know, the, you know, operator, sponsor, syndicated, whatever it is like in this example, you, right. So it's like, so you're, I, I think, I think, you know, understanding, you know, there's a, there's a, a line that, um, there's a show on CNBC, Jim Cramer is like a famous like stock picker. And he has a line that he says, you know, all the time where, you know, there's, there's always a bull market somewhere. Right. So like, you know, there are, despite all the, you know, all the headwinds that we're facing in the industry and in the world and whatnot now, right. There are, there are cities and counties and states like all over America that are like creating their own bull markets, right. That are basically doing things like, you know, creating new jobs and, and, and doing, you know, sort of making moves that are attracting people to their, to where they live. Right. So, I mean, like, so, so they are, they're creating their sort of own personal tailwinds, right. In these specific markets, right. Which that counts for a ton, especially when you start looking at, when you start getting to a market like now, it's maybe going sideways, maybe going down, right. Having that wind at your back in these, you know, different micro environments is a huge, huge deal. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people that, you know, as the market was just, you know, sort of on fire for years and years and years, you know, started picking up like different tertiary markets and like even maybe beyond that and said, hey, you know, there's a rising tide sort of forever. And it's not the case, right? So I think that, you know, especially in a market like now, that like, you know, these, you know, making sure that you are in solid markets for, you know, for the long term. Um, I saw some, I read some stat on like on Charlotte that says they expect like Mecklenburg County to like double in the next like, you know, 10 years or something crazy. So I mean, having that at your, that wind at your back is, is a huge deal. You know, secondly is the, is the operator, right? So in this example, you, the person you're investing in, like, you know, like you are very much investing in, you know, like the words they're saying, like, what are they saying that they're going to do? Are they going to stand by that? Right. Are they going to communicate well? Are they like, what's their, you know, do they have credibility? Are they going to follow through everything you're saying? So, you know, those are the two main elements. And then like, if you start drilling down on the operator, Right. So in this example, you know, you, of course, like, you know, investing in your fund, um, I think you really have to think about like, you know, what is, you know, what is the kill team? What are they predicated? What is their success predicated upon? Right. Is it predicated upon, you know, you know, rental rates in Charlotte going up 20 percent a year for the next seven years? You know, if that's the case, like that's, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's out of your control. Right. So it's like, mm -hmm. is the like is is Andrew and his team. Are, is your success predicated on things that are in your control, right? Like, you know, the, the operations and, you know, you know, things like that. Are you, are you, do you have a huge CapEx program? If that's the case, like, is that something you're experiencing? Can you execute upon, you know, what you are selling, right? So again, I think it's a, a sort of a, a huge piece of it. I mean, listen, you're really investing in the leader of, a, of any team and, um, you know, believing in them. And I mean, the, the ones that, the, the, the funds or opportunities I've invested in away from my own, I've had like, you know, I've had the, you know, basically almost, you know, pretty much blind faith in the operator that I'm investing in. Yeah. The jockey matters most, right? Yeah. That's right. That's, that's great feedback. The market, the operator. I, I love that. That's, that's been a recurring theme, you know, is the, the, mar the operator and their track record. Um, I have a, I have a quick question for you. So, how has your, you know, where you, your day job, right? Your fintech, that's where you're, you're at. You know, how has that, you know, what have you learned or what have you brought from that into your manufactured housing business, your, 
you know, your portfolio and management company? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I think sort of like broadly, right, is it like you're just, you're learning things, you're learning different things from different experiences, right? So, sure. you know, I, I, I was, before I was in fintech, I was, a, I was a, a, tr- a fixed income trader. So I think that, like, I, I, I see that in my decision making constantly in, in the manufacturing housing business, because, you know, that I, I was basically making decisions on the fly, just constantly all day long, right? So like the, you know, I think people t- talk about in the business, like you know, analysis paralysis. And, you know, like, I don't, I don't suffer from that because I overcame that. I, I had it at some point and mm. in that job, I had to overcome that quickly. Cause the part of the job was like making, you know, risk decisions on the fly constantly throughout the day. I think that when I look at my W2 career, the biggest takeaway is the sort of, is the risk taking piece. I'm actually reading um, Sam Zell's book right now. And he talks a ton in the book about like, you know, about evaluating risk, right? And like, you know, and, and, and basically, you know, wanting the, wanting the, the deck stacked in your favor and like, you know, how are you, you know, how, how are you evaluating risk? You know, how are you, you know, calculating, you know, the risk reward of different scenarios. And I think that is, listen, not, not that I'm by any means an expert and of course I have a ton to learn, but I think that is the biggest takeaway from my W2 experience. What I brought into manufactured housing is the ability to make decisions quickly, to sort of synthesize information, make decisions. And, you know, the ability to, to take, I think, you know, sort of well-calculated risk. Love that. Yeah, that's awesome. How could listeners get a hold of you, Craig, if, they, if they'd like to do so? Sure. My, my email is Craig, C-R-A-I-G, at 40oaks40oaks.com. Awesome. Well, I'm really thankful that you came on the show today. Uh, thanks for coming in and dropping some golden nuggets. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if you time. had one more, if you had one more tip for for investors out there, just like what you could glean to our our listeners on mobile home parks, what would that one final tip be? You know, listen, I, I think it's the best space. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And my my family has. You know, we have we have the majority of our net worth in manufactured housing, right? So uh, I'm a huge believer in that, you know, as an investment and then sort of on a personal level, I know you only asked for one thing, but my second thing would say, you know, on a personal level is that, you know, is just to, just to take, to take action. It's so easy to make excuses. I mean, I have a 10 month old, I have a, you know, I have a pretty demanding job. I have, you know, all sorts of shit going on as, as everyone does. So of course you can make excuses and, and not do things, but if you want to get into, you know, manufactured housing, whether it's through, you know, whether it's through, properly vetting an operator like, you know, Andrew or, you know, doing on your own, doing it on your own, whatever it may be, you know, just to start today and start like even in the smallest ways, listening to Andrew's podcast, a great start, you know, and, and just and allow yourself to build momentum because, you know, there's, there's never a perfect time. Everyone's busy. There's, there's anyone can make excuses. Just start taking action. Awesome. Craig. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. That's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Would you like to see mobile home park value add projects in progress? If so, follow us on Instagram at Passive MHP Investing for photos and awesome videos from our recent mobile home park acquisitions. Once again, that's at Passive MHP Investing on Instagram. See you there.